Hello there. My name is D. Yvonne Rivers. I am the host for Birth Moms Real Talk podcast. This is a platform for birth or natural mothers to share about their journeys, to share about their stories. And we cover the hot topics, the things where no one else will talk about or go there. We cover the truth. We cover grace and healing. This is a place where birth moms and natural mothers can share their journeys. We are not therapists. We do not give advice. So get your therapist. We listen and we allow birth moms and natural moms to share their story. Listen in. Good day, everyone. My name is D. Yvonne Rivers. I am the host for Birth Moms Real Talk, the podcast platform where birth moms, natural mothers, first mothers will share their story, share their journey, and we allow you to listen in, to listen to what moms go through. They will tell you the real deal. They will tell you the hot topics. They will tell you the real talk. And we find the birth mothers, they're very transparent. And we congratulate anyone who comes on here because you're sharing your story to the public, to our over 250,000 listeners and people out there. But it's so healing. It's such a grace in healing with all of this. So I'm happy to have Marissa with me today. Good morning, good Marissa. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, awesome. Every we're, st- we're all the same, but our stories are different. So that's why it's so important to have different perspectives, different voices, because no story is like your story, even yes. though we're so much alike. So once you start, Marissa, and just sharing about maybe starting in your childhood or just before when you became that mom. Yeah, so... My, I had a rough childhood. Um, I was the only child of a single mother who had mental illness and alcoholism. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't receive very good parenting. Um, and I was, I was abused and, mm-hmm. you know, it was just really difficult. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was, I was really book smart. So... Okay. I got to college, but I didn't have any like social skills or coping mm-hmm. skills. Right. Um, so when I got to college, I just had a lot of problems. Um, I ended up getting really depressed and dropping out. Um, and I also, uh, oh, an important part is that I, I was one of those people that ended up looking for love in all the wrong mm. places. Don't we mom, all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't we my all? My mom didn't love me, so mm. I thought that... I, well, my mom loved me, but she did right. not know how to show it. Right. In a, right. In a proper, appropriate way. Right. And so right. I felt unloved. So... So were, st- were there any other family members? You see, mom was a single mom, but any mm-hmm. grandparents, any other family yeah, so her parents had passed okay. by the time I was born, okay. and she wasn't really involved with any of her brothers or sisters, so okay. I didn't really know that much of the family, and the ones that I did know, they had their own mental health and okay. substance issues, right, so right, we were kind right. of on our own. Uh, we, were also, we were also poor. I was a welfare kid, mm-hmm. and um, my mom and I were on and off the streets a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and my mom always had sketchy men around, Hmm. um, sketchy describe what sketchy means to you. So sketchy, like the kind of guys who would give her a drink if she gave them her body Mm -hmm. and the kind of guys that were not safe to have around children. Okay. Um, one of them turned out to be a pedophile. So, and I was seven years old. You could do the math on that one. Um, it's not something I want to go into a lot of detail about, but, (laughs) um, so that, that messed me up. Um, Mm -hmm. so did you have any, and let me ask you, did you have any help during that time? Because you mentioned seven years old, seven years old. That is a very traumatic experience that you went through at seven. I did not get therapy for it until I was an adult. Like, I was in therapy a lot during my childhood because I had behavioral problems in school. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
I knew from a very young age there were things that I could and could not talk about if I didn't want to grow up in a foster home. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, so it was a fear that you knew yeah. there were consequences with that. Yeah, for okay. me, I kind of, when I was a kid, I had a mentality of the devil you know is better than the devil mm, you don't. Right. Understood. Understood. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, so, yeah, so I did end up getting therapy for all the trauma of my childhood, but it took until my 20s to do it. Okay. okay. Um, and so, you know, with that kind of past, with my mom not being able to show me love and with seeing not really seeing healthy love modeled for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. i right. went looking for love in all the wrong places when i became an adult i ended up in several very toxic relationships some abusive relationships mm-hmm. and um that you know didn't help the uh, mental issues i was going through right. in college right. so after two years i dropped out and I had trouble holding down a job, and ultimately I became homeless myself. Mm. Um, and from there, I I still went looking for love in all the wrong places. I didn't really have that many options open to me anymore, because mm-hmm. <laughs> right. you know how many people really want to date someone that's you know on the streets. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and also, it was a safety thing. Like it's safer to be, to have a man with you on the streets than to be a single woman on the streets. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I kind of started to understand a little bit of where my mom was coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, But during that time, I became pregnant with uh, someone that I was seeing and he was on the streets as well. Um, And we were actually broken up when I found out I was pregnant we got back together when we found out I was pregnant and we would end up breaking up again before I, before I delivered. Um, so was there hope in that relationship that it could work? I think maybe in the very beginning there was hope, but I think that was more kind of denial. Okay. Um, I knew very early on that we didn't, we didn't love each other anymore um we were we were basically too broken to Mm -hmm. properly love and care for each other Mm -hmm. um i know that we both cared for our child Mm -hmm. um and he really wanted to parent um from the very beginning he wanted to parent i did not okay he wanted to keep the child and then we could get on welfare and we could get off the streets and we could make it work and we could provide a basic living for our child that was what he wanted and like yes that was a feasible plan based on you know what resources the state had available to us and all that but that was what my mom did and mm. i did not have a good experience with that right um, right did you ever I, know your father let me ask you that i did meet my father when i turned 18 and okay. we actually have a relationship now awesome. Um, awesome yeah we we talk on the phone uh he uh, we don't live near each other so we don't see each other very often but we talk on the phone okay, okay. um but um i didn't really I wasn't really close to him when all this was going on. Okay. okay. Um, so how about your mom now? Was she aware of you being on the street and when you became she, pregnant? She was. Uh, she was actually on the streets, too, at the time. And wow. we, my mom and I had been on and off again, like, in contact with each other. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, um, during the pregnancy we well i decided that she was not healthy for me to be around and so i ended up cutting contact with her okay um but i i found out later that it really messed her up not knowing where um 
where my child went. Um, and she didn't, she didn't even know the gender. Like I just look, so she, she just passed in January. And so I I was looking through her stuff and I found a letter she'd written to her brother. And apparently she thought I had a girl. Mm. Um, Wow. Wow. Yeah. So moving on, you had your idea. You said your boyfriend or the father had the idea of you two parenting together. So what was your idea once you found out you were pregnant? What was your plan? So my idea was I I knew right from the get-go I did not want to parent. I did not want to repeat the cycle of broken parent mm. creating a broken child. Okay. Um, I... I, I did not consider myself emotionally stable enough to parent. And the big thing for me was I did not have hope for my relationship with the father. Okay. And for me, it was very important that my child have two parents who love each other and who could model healthy love, like okay. what what the, my child should be looking for. Right. Right. In at their what, own lives. At what age were you at that time? I was 21. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was that was the ultimate reason I decided not to parent. And I was considering abortion at first. Um, and I decided it wasn't, it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to say since, you know, a lot of the adoption community I've found is very anti-abortion. I am staunchly Mm pro-choice, but that was not my choice. Um, so as soon as I, as soon as I decided I didn't feel like going through with an abortion, I, um, I, I was, I, I knew, okay, adoption it is then. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you eliminated two, the other two, there were Mm -hmm. possibilities. You eliminated the first two. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So how do you proceed through that? Because just describing where you are, first of all, as you're talking, in spite of what you were going through, of being on the street and finding out your mother's on the street, I, I feel this underlying of faith to, 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 to pursue. And you didn't give up. Nope. You didn't give up. I could hear, I can hear that in your voice that all that you were going through, you didn't give up. So what was your driving force that kept you going? I, my driving force was that I wanted to do one decent thing for wow. my child. Um, and decent that was thing for your child. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And that was son. carry him and okay. give him to someone who could give him a proper life. Okay. I wanted okay. to do the one thing that I wished my mom would have done for me. Wow. So you really wish that you had been placed? Yes, I do. Okay. Okay. All right. That, that's, that's what you feel. Yes, absolutely. So move forward with how, how you went through, go, went through the steps. How did you went through that process of adoption? Yeah. So I went to an agency um, and I actually ended up getting scared off from the agency because they mentioned the possibility of intervention in my adoption if there was Native American ancestry, which there was on the father's side. So I kind of ran away. <laughs> I, I got really scared. So give me more clarity on that. That may be intervention, meaning what? So um, there's this federal law called the Indian Child Welfare Act. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the child has Native American ancestry before an adoption can continue, the um, the attorney has to go to the tribe that the child is affiliated with or has mm-hmm. you know blood from, and ask them if they want to move the case to tribal court if they want to place with a Native American family. Wow. Um, now, did you have to do DNA to determine that? No. So, um. In, in some cases, there is, um, I think it's more, like, now that I know more about it after, mm-hmm. you know, being, like, being in the, working in the field mm-hmm. and learning more about it, I know that 
it's really more of an issue if one of the parents is registered with a tribe, okay. receiving benefits from a tribe. Okay. That okay. was not the situation for me. Okay. So the attorney went to the tribe and asked, and they said, no, we don't want this case. Okay. So, <laughs> so you uh, so there obviously was um, Native American in... Yes. That. Okay, okay. All right. But yeah. the last, the last um, like, registered member, I think, was... Um, his father's grandfather. Okay. So it was a very loose connection, and the tribe themselves said, "No, we're not interested. Okay. You can you can process it as a non-native adoption." Okay. 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 So, but I didn't understand all of that when I first went to the agency when I was four months pregnant. So mm-hmm. I kind of ran away, and yeah. I I just you know, carried on for another few months, not really knowing what I was going to do. Right. And then at this time, I met the family. Um, And it wasn't through looking at profiles, like how the process is usually done. Mm -hmm. Um, I met, I met this pastor. um, He, he did, he does ministry a lot with the homeless. And he, uh, he and a few of his church friends came over one night while me, the father, and a few other of our homeless friends were camping. Mm-hmm. And he asked if um, he could take us out for pizza. And, you know, we're never going to say no to free food. I would so. say, who's going to say no to pizza? <laughs> I don't care who you are. Yes. <laughs> so that happened. Mm-hmm. And then um, after we got back to camp, like he drove us back to camp and he asked if he could camp with us. Mm. And I was like, whoa, what? Mm. <laughs> um, so we said, okay, sure. Um, and so, so let me ask you, Marissa, how long had you been on the streets? How long had you been camping out? I'd been on and off for about a year and a half at that time. Okay. Um, actually, probably closer to two years mm-hmm. um, on and off. Um, it was a mixture of like streets, couch surfing, mm-hmm. shelters, mostly outside. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so this pastor gave up his warm, comfy home wow. to come camp with us for the night, and okay. I thought that was really cool. Uh-huh. And then I found out that he and his wife opened their home every Friday night to homeless people in the community uh-huh. and, like, fed them and you know, talked to them, prayed with them if that was their, their thing. Right. Um, and so the, uh, the father and I, we started going to these Friday night dinners Mm -hmm. and I just, I just developed a really good relationship with, with these people Mm -hmm. and, they were, I could tell they really cared. They were really invested in our well-being, and um, they also had a six-year-old daughter um, who they'd fostered her and then adopted her, okay. and I just watched them interact with her, and they were very, like, they weren't the because I said so kind of people. Right. They were the I'm going to tell you exactly why I am doing and saying what I am kind mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. And they reasoned with her and they showered her with love. And I just fell in love with how they interacted with their daughter. And after, oh, did you fall? You or I'm not putting words in your mouth. Mm-hmm. I see you saw the love that a parent could have for a child that you yes. never that you never had. Yes, I saw okay. the kind of yeah. the kind of parenting that I wished I had. Yeah. Yeah. And then one day when I was 7 months pregnant, I it just kind of hit me mm-hmm. and I I remember like I remember I woke up earlier than than the father. He was sleeping next to me. And I woke I woke up and and I just decided Yes, they're the ones. And then I woke him up and I was like, I was like, hey, hey, wake up. I have something important to tell you. They're the ones. They're the ones. Yes, they're the ones. I want them to adopt the child. Wow. Wow. So so how did you approach him with that? (laughs) So the next, the next Friday night, we went to the dinner 
And then when it, when we were all cleaning up and people had kind of trickled out, I asked I asked them like, "Hey, can we talk to you?" Um, and I and we we sat them down in 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 their office and in their home office and. I'm pretty sure they thought we were going to ask for money. Um, <laughs> and this is a setup, okay? They mean nice, so let's go into the office and talk. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. But um, so I said, I was like, you know, I'm obviously pregnant. I don't, I can't take care of this kid. And I just, I just kind of blurted it out. I was like, would you yeah. be willing to adopt my child? Now, had, had, they, of, had they even mentioned the fact that you're pregnant or asked any questions to you? Um, they'd asked me, like, if I had, like, things that I needed, like, prenatal vitamins and stuff like that. Um, and, um, so, yeah, like, they were, they were interested, like, in my care, but they hadn't mentioned, they hadn't mentioned, like, that they were, that they were looking to adopt or, like, they weren't. They definitely weren't trying to like get me to right, give them right, my baby. Like right. I blindsided them with that one because okay. they just stared at each other shocked. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and, I, and I was like really nervous when they were just like super silent. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, uh, if, you, if 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 you guys are um, if you guys need some time, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I remember I remember um, Abby the the mom she. She she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, uh, uh, my I mean I I want you to take full legal responsibility mm. for the child currently taking up residence in my uterus at <laughs> the moment of his birth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then they stared at each other again, and I was like, oh no, this is I'm I'm embarrassed. This is scary. Like what they're gonna mm. say no? And then they're just like yes. And I was like, really? Oh, <laughs> so it was an instant yes. Yeah. Wow. What was your feeling at that time? I was relieved, like, because right, yeah. I, I felt this huge weight off my shoulders, because I was yeah. like, oh my god, like, I'm going to give birth in, like, two months. What am I going to do with this? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, wonderful. So, next steps was, you were still on the street. Mm-hmm. So, I stayed with them for, um, for a little while, and we actually found a maternity home in the area that is specifically for women who are placing their children for an open adoption. Okay. Okay. Um, And so we ended up going to, going to that home. Abby drove me up there and um, I met with Sarah who was at the time she was the, she was the, I don't know exactly what her title was, Mm -hmm. uh, but she, but I just know her as my case manager. Okay. Um, and she was an amazing case manager and I'm still in contact with her and mm. I um when I have questions about adoption, I mm. I, I want I always want her input. Now <laughs> how long ago was that? When was this? When did you give birth? Uh back in twenty fourteen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um so the whole game changed once I moved into this home. Like I was safe, and mm-hmm. I was fed, and I was loved. Like every, mm-hmm. like all the staff, like they, they took care of us. They kind of provided the parenting that a lot of us never really had. Right. Um, and they just gave me unconditional love. Even when I had my spicy moments. Because, you know, I was basically a feral cat at this point. So I had my spicy moments. (laughs) That's one way to put it. Okay, spicy (laughs) moments. Okay. And they were with me. They loved me through it. Okay. Okay. I, you know, sometimes sometimes I text Sarah and I'm like, I don't know how you put up with me back then, but I'm really glad you did. Oh, wow. Now, were you still with the birth father? I tried to be okay. he disappeared as soon as I got into the home mm, and okay. um he um at that point I really just wanted to at least talk to him so I could like cleanly break up with him mm-hmm. and not have this like lingering okay what's going on with us mm-hmm. um but yeah he basically abandoned me 
I will say, at the very least, even if he he made it very clear he didn't love me, and that he and he was also mad at at the adoption plan. Like he liked the adoptive couple too, but he was always mad at me for choosing to place. Um, and he also knew that he did not have the grounds to contest the adoption because he didn't have anything to offer a child. So right. okay. he was upset about at that. And he made me, he called me a deadbeat at one time for placing, for placing wow. my child wow. <laughs> instead of quote unquote, taking responsibility and parenting. Yeah. Um, okay. so, you know, he made it very clear what he thought of me. But I will say, at least he did not abandon me until I was off the streets. Okay. So I've got to at least be grateful yeah. for that. Right. So you were there for the last two months before giving birth? Yes. Okay. Explain, was this obviously was your first child, so explain yes. that birth experience. How was it? Yeah, so um, luckily the labor was, was quick, um, but it was... It was me and um, Tim and Abby, the adoptive parents, were in the in the room with me, um, and they they stayed in the room with me the entire time, like until both myself and my son were medically discharged. Um, like they had, so the hospital gave them their own room, um, but. I did not want to be alone in the hospital, so at least one of them was always with me. Okay. Um, and we kind of, um, we, we just kind of passed the baby around. Mm. <laughs> like, they bundled, the hospital bundled him, bundled him up, and um, I got to hold him first. Right. And okay. let me tell you, I did not know I'd fall in love with that child so much. Mm. Like, because... I never really wanted children. Um, I'm I'm honestly not very good with children. So was um, that because of your own growing up that you didn't want children? Partially that, and also partially just I'm not a very patient person, so okay. Okay. Um, children kind of try my patience. Mm -hmm. um, so I I didn't I just, I thought it would be easy for me to just you know. Like I care, I cared about my child before before he was born. I cared about yeah, him enough come to on, place Marissa. him. You really thought this would be easy? I uh, yeah, I thought I thought it would be. <laughs> clearly I didn't know. So, <laughs> growing a child for nine months or more, and sure, here you go. <laughs> yeah, you know I didn't know anything about the birth bond okay. and okay. about the about the trauma, about the grief. I did not know any of that yet. I found out in the second mm -hmm. that I looked into his eyes for the first time. The second, exactly. The like, second. The second, and, and you know, nobody tells you that mm -hmm. your hormones are gonna be going crazy mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. like your hormones are gonna be screaming, keep this baby by your mm -hmm. side. Mm -hmm. like, or, or the fact you, you, you just went through a birth. I mean, that's a major thing. Separate aside, whether if you're raising or not, that's a major thing mm -hmm. involved with, as you say, the hormones are raging <laughs> through your body. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, so like the, so like the staff at the maternity home, they were very, they were very sweet and they, um, they, they made sure that I had access to counseling okay, and good. like they, they told me to expect that um that I that you know there would be some feelings of grief um but I guess maybe I didn't understand them maybe mm -hmm. if they maybe if they put it because I'm a psych major and so I have to break things down into mm -hmm. like in the psychological terms, maybe if it had been explained, like, yeah, your oxytocin levels are going to be way high, and you're, and so that is going to make you want to be around this child. Maybe I would have understood it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> or maybe you could have talked to a birth mom who had already been through that experience. Yeah, I probably yeah. should have. Like there were other there were other birth moms in the okay. in the home. Okay, and um, there were there were like ones that had already had their had their babies okay. and like I knew that they felt sad and right. they yeah. felt mixed emotions I just 
didn't think it would apply to me. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. Clearly, I learned some things. <laughs> okay. All right. So how long were you in the hospital before you were released, and where did you go? Um, I think that I was there for... I think I was released the next day. Oh, okay. Um, and um, so Tim and Abby waited with me until both myself and, and our son were medically discharged. And then mm. they drove me back to the maternity home. And okay. they, they, they stopped to pick up some medication that I needed on the way, on the way back. Um, and then they brought me, they brought me home and they stayed for a little while and, you know, we kind of had a little a little mini party, mm-hmm. and then they went home, and I was at the home with um, with Sarah and with the other girls at the home, and um, my roommate and I uh, made chocolate chocolate cake with chocolate funfetti <laughs> frosting. I'm amazed. Oh, I'm not amazed at the details that you remember from that day, because that's the day that you'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Do it's weird. Like I have no sense of time uh-huh. from that from that time, mm-hmm. but like I remember very specific like mm-hmm. things that happened. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So once um, Tim and Abby had left, what was your feelings? How did you start the processing part? Yeah. So I think like that night I felt really happy and excited because everyone around me was happy and excited and then the next day and for a few weeks or months I'm not sure of the time frame I felt really sad Uh, it hit me that like that like I wanted to be I wanted to be with that baby and I couldn't and Um, and we had an open adoption and they are always, they're always open to me visiting or calling. Um, but I remember that in the beginning I needed to take some space for myself. Right. right. Um, because it was just, it was really hard to Mm -hmm. see another woman mothering Mm -hmm. my baby. Right. Um, you know, it's, 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 you mentioned when you said Tim and Abby and our son, mm-hmm. now you just said my baby because yeah. he will always be your baby as well as our son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. So did you make specific plans of how often you would end up seeing your son or were any specific plans made in the open adoption? I don't think we made any specific plans because by okay. that point we were just... I was basically extended family at that point. Okay. So we we both trusted that, you know, we would just work it out like any other any other relationship, you know? Okay. Uh, we didn't feel the need to, like, stipulate, okay, we're, we're entitled to this many conversations per year, right. whatever. Okay. All right. Um, so now that's been eight years? Eight years, yeah. Eight years. Now, how long did you stay in a maternity home, and what did you do afterwards? Um, so I stayed for a few months afterwards. Okay. Um, I started job hunting as soon as I was medically able. Um, and I started, I, I w- my thing was, I am never going to be on the streets again. I'm never going to be financially mm-hmm. dependent again. Mm-hmm. Um, I started, I started working three jobs. Um, I became kind of a workaholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided I'm going back to school. Okay. Um, and at the time, I wanted to be a case manager like Sarah. Okay. Um, and since then, I've shifted to I want to be a therapist. Okay. Um, but I did end up getting my my psychology degree, and now I'm applying to master's programs for awesome. counseling. Awesome. Awesome. So, Need more yeah. therapists who have lived experience. Yes, yes, we do. Yes, absolutely. So, how is it now? So now it's great. Um, okay. I, um, the I'd say the grief stage, the stage where I needed separation, lasted maybe a few months. Mm-hmm. After after that, um, we saw each other pretty frequently, like at least once a month, um, because we lived close by each other. 
Um, and I know that Mother's Day was hard for me for the, like the first two years. Mm-hmm. I actually wrote and wrote an essay about why Mother's Day was hard for me, and um, got a scholarship from Adoptions from the Heart. Okay. Um, for and it was the essay was basically a letter to. A, a Mother's Day letter to Abby, right. and I showed it to her afterwards. Uh, okay, and she she loved it. She um, she has had so much empathy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like that is something that was very important to me. Like they, uh, like this is one reason I love this couple. They because I went into it like okay, well I'm not expecting that. I'll really want much of a relationship with the child. I don't think I'll have much of those feelings. And then I did a complete 180 Mm. and they were (laughs) totally okay with that and totally supportive of it and totally on board with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that to me is everything. So like now in my work, when I'm like with both um, adoptive parents and birth parents, I say like, um, get an idea of what you might expect, what you might be comfortable with, but know that things might shift. Yeah. Um, yeah. especially like, I think it's especially important that adoptive parents know, um, that, you know, sometimes their birth parents might need space. Sometimes they might need connection mm-hmm. and just, it's so important to be open to that for right. both the, for both the birth parents and for the child. Um, right, right. So have you been building a relationship with your um, your son? He's passed eight years. Yeah. Um, okay. So I moved away, went back to school when he was um, three years old, but mm-hmm. I still call him on his birthday. I text his mom a lot, and um, uh, one time I got these shoes that have Scooby-Doo on them. He's obsessed with <laughs> Scooby-Doo. And I, and I texted her a picture. Hey, show these, show these to Malachi and make him jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and he, and she, she texted me back. He says they're awesome and he wants them. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, when he's a size nine, he can have them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, we, we keep in contact. Um, I just recently visited them um um while when i was going down to san diego to sort through my mom's things after she passed um i stayed with them and it turned you know kind of a sad trip into a really nice family visit um and um and then i'm i i actually so usually i see them in person every few years when i'm able to come down um, but this time I get to see them twice in a year because at the time of this recording, I'm getting married next month. Wow. Malachi is going to be my ring bearer. Oh, that is so awesome. And his sister is going to be my junior bridesmaid. Okay. Okay. So, now so I was going to ask the question, but you just answered or whatever. He knows who you are. He does know who I okay. am. He, okay. Okay. He calls me. He calls me his belly mama because that, <laughs> really? is, that is that is the age appropriate term right now. Okay. So okay. Okay. When I know sometimes people ask me um, if I have a preference for like birth, natural, first mother, I don't really have a preference. But right now, I just call myself belly mama because okay. that's what he calls me. <laughs> okay. Okay. That is so great. So, you've got a new turn, a new leaf you're turning over. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. So. Looking at how your life began as you started this podcast to where you are now, what got you to that point A to the point B to where you are now and moving you toward point C, D, E, and F? Yeah, so I think the things that were, like the adoption process was a turning point in my life. And the important things for me were that, one, I had a family that, saw me as their family too. Um, It wasn't just about the baby for them. That was very important for me. The other was that I was able to go to this home and receive support and help getting my own life back on track. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I, I got to, I got a chance to 
get a job and get my life together and become someone that um that my son and his parents could be proud of mm-hmm. um and i i think that that's i think that's an important part of the of the healing process is mm-hmm. that like if i'd been left to be in the same situation i was before i think like yeah i would have fixated on this grief yeah um but because I was able to move on and I had things I had to do in my own life, I think for me that was that was healing. Right, right. You know, we always try to cover a hot topic or because mm-hmm. it's called birth moms a real talk. Mm-hmm. And that real means talking about things a lot of times people don't talk about in public. So Marissa, you work in the industry and you yes. work with birth moms and adoptive moms and do you work with adoptees? Um not not really okay. sometimes adoptees contact us asking okay. for help finding their birth parents but for the okay. most part no okay so knowing all of that what would you say would be a hot topic that really more needs to be discussed openly and publicly yes the reason <laughs> i am here today okay. my hot topic my hot topic is open adoption okay and um what i say that i say what open adoption should be and what it is Uh because when i was in when i was in this home um everybody so they worked with an agency ironically the same agency that i ran away from because of the ICWA stuff (laughs) (laughs) wow i remember you huh okay Um, but this agency does not work with birth pa- or adoptive parents that want closed adoptions. Okay. Um, they are only, they are only willing to work with adopting couples that are willing to be fully open the way Tim and Abby are with me. Okay. I remember looking at some of the profiles and one of them said, there is always a place at our table for you. Mm-hmm. Um, not just your baby for you. And okay. that kind of attitude is everything to me. Um, And I found out working in the industry that that is not the norm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The norm is that adoptive parents are hesitant um, to have relationships with the birth parents. And they, they, think of open adoption as exchanging photographs and letters a couple times a year. And in a lot of cases, um, because we have these questionnaires that we give to prospective adopting parents before we meet with them. And one of the questions we ask is, would you be willing to send the birth parents a photo and an update on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Most of them check yes. They understand like, okay, adoption's different now. We're obligated to provide some kind of update. And I say obligated. When I say obligated, that is Mm -hmm. the word I choose because they see it as an obligation. They don't see it as something they want to do. They see it as an obligation. And then, um, then the next question is, would you be willing to receive photos and updates and letters from the birth parents to share with your children? Mm-hmm. And a lot of them say no. A lot of them say, we want to wait until the child is 18 to have contact with the birth parents. And I really wish that I didn't have to work with couples that want those kind of adoption mm-hmm. plans. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's healthy for anyone involved. Um, is would that still be considered open? I guess that's my question. If you don't want any contact until eighteen years, is that truly an open adoption? I wouldn't consider it open. <laughs> I, I think the legal term is semi-open. Okay. But, okay. Um, okay. I wouldn't consider it open. I wouldn't consider it healthy because, you know, then the child has these questions of, who am I really? And yes, mm-hmm. I've been listening to that podcast. Yeah, Dave is <laughs> my buddy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And they don't have an outlet for those questions. Right. And then I think there's also this sense of fear, like with adoptive kids, if they're if 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 they know that their parents don't want them contacting their birth parents until they're eighteen, mm-hmm. then 
they get nervous bringing it up, bringing up yes. the who am I really kind of questions. Yes. So that's not a healthy environment for the child. Right. And obviously it's cruel to the birth parents. Right. Um, and, you know, also, like, sometimes I worry, like, you know, I have an open relationship with my son right now. Mm-hmm. Is that going to continue when he's an adult? Is he going to choose to keep contacting mm-hmm. me? And... I, I reassure myself that, you know, I'm pretty sure he will because yeah. his parents have raised him to see me as just another right. member of the extended family, right. like right. his grandparents or his aunts and uncles. Yeah. And, and that's one reason Marissa asked about whether you dealt with adoptees. I get a lot of emails from adoptees who listen to this podcast and they want to hear that birth mom's perspective with mm-hmm. that. But along with it, most adoptees will tell me they really do want to be in contact. And what you just mentioned, if the adoptive parents don't want the contact, they feel that that split loyalty mm-hmm. because we can move and shift into when reunion happens and when people find each other. Mm-hmm. It's, if it's a hesitancy, hesitancy from the adoptive parents, that adoptee is not going to feel free to connect mm-hmm. with the birth mom or dad. Right. And so what that is that in my opinion, that is just the insecurities Mm -hmm. of the adoptive couple um, playing out and affecting their children. And that's Mm -hmm. just not good parenting. Right. That's why everyone you hear me. Everybody needs help. Everybody needs yeah. to do that healing. Everyone from birth moms, adoptees, adoptive parents, when everyone gets that own healing and do your own work, you do understand, just like you just said, it does not become healthy because yes. whether it's fear you have or whatever it is is keeping you from allowing your child to really search what they want to. Mm-hmm. And I, I truly believe, this is my own opinion, the environment of the household, and you just uh, lived it out today, the environment that the adoptee is raised in has an effect mm-hmm. on how they will choose to search or not mm-hmm. search or what kind of relationship they will have. Yes. Um, um, I, I think that... Uh, I, I, I'm not saying that... You know, adoptive parents don't have a right to feel these fears and insecurities. Like, I I can empathize with it. Like, just like I had a hard time watching another woman mother my baby at first, mm-hmm. they probably have a hard time um, mm-hmm. seeing seeing uh, seeing. Wow, the, the, there's there's my there's my child with mm-hmm. this woman that gave him mm-hmm. life, and I couldn't do that. Right. So, well, there's my it. child also. That looks like their mm-hmm. mom. <laughs> so, so they realize that bond is still there. So I try, I really try, every time I meet with an adoptive couple, I try to talk them into counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Good. they have so, there's going to be so many emotions involved mm-hmm. on both sides. Yes, and I really think it's so important to have that support. Mm-hmm. And especially if they have a history of miscarriage or infertility, there needs right. to be that grief counseling there yes. for them. Yes. And, and that's parents, a question. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's a question. Yes. I always wonder this about adoption um, agencies. If you find of the history of the adoptive parents that that has been a loss, be it miscarriage or loss of a child or infertility to not have the child. Is anything really suggested to the adoptive parents to heal that first before they adopt? So uh, I can't speak for the whole industry, but at least where I work right now, um, there's really no attempt to... Uh, my boss doesn't want to be forceful or pressure um, or any of that. Like he's, I guess he has a very laissez-faire approach. Mm. Um, me, I do try to convince them um, to get to get some some counseling for that. Okay. Um, obviously, we can't. Uh, like I can't say we won't work with you until you get this counseling. Okay. If I had it my way, I would. Right, right, um, right. For you know, and for their benefit, and mm-hmm. for their child, and for the birth moms, for everyone's benefit. Um, and I really think that, especially adoptive parents, because obviously the birth parents have 
have healing they need to do, counseling they need to go to, but they don't have the option of sorting all their stuff out before their baby's born. (laughs) They're kind of on a time crunch. The adoptive parents, they have the option of sorting everything out, getting the healing they need to do before they make an adoption plan. That Mm -hmm. is their right, their privilege, and I think their responsibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that hot topic because that is always, that is always on the forefront because it's about the healing between the whole triad. You know, we're going to be arranging a Facebook live. I invite you to to come and attend as a birth mom and having this hot topic discussion about for is that connection or non-connection with adoptive parents, birth parents and the adoptee, which is that person, the adoptee, that child is the most important to me. Mm -hmm. They're the most important. They had no say so on any Mm -hmm. of this. And they have to really process that trauma, that grief, that grief, that brokenness they've been through. Marissa, you've been a joy to have on today. Thank we you. appreciate you being on today. Thank You've you. Can list- I close with a quote? You certainly may. <laughs> <laughs> so this quote defines my entire attitude towards adoption. Okay. And it is, uh, it's not, it's not mine. It's from a lady named Jody Landers, um, who started a nonprofit to help the, to help people in the country that she adopted from. Okay. But this quote is everything. It is. A child born to another woman calls me mommy. The magnitude of that tragedy and the depth of that privilege are not lost on me. Mm. Mm. That is powerful. Cause, and it's all true. Yes. That's oh, it right there. So that's th- my that is. attitude. That's it. That's it yep. in a nutshell. That's the snapshot of what, what's really happening. Thank you so much for that, Marissa, and this conversation. You've been listening to D. Yvonne Rivers, host of Birth Moms Real Talk. That platform, we talk about the hot stuff, the hot topics, but it's to bring that grace and healing when all that whole process of the adoptee, the birth parent, the adoptive parents, and all of that. You follow us on Facebook with birthmomsrealtalk.com, as well as on Instagram. And if you have a story to share about being a birth mom, submit your story. Go into our website www.birthmomsrealtalk.com. Submit your story and we may be talking to you soon. Support us because this is so important work, important work. And we need to continue on bringing this. And I invest in this myself. We have a Birth Moms Real Talk Village. I invite you to join, Marissa. We have our private Facebook. In fact, our next Zoom is next Sunday. So join the Birth Moms Real Talk Village. We come in. We understand each other. We get to know each other as sisters. We celebrate our birthdays and our children's birthday because I consider my son's birthday my Mother's Day. So my Mother's Day is October 11th of every year. Along with All that. Right. Yes, but get your work, do your work. This is not your therapy that you're listening to the podcast, but do continue to listen in, share, give comments, and really give us some reviews. We've been having awesome response. We want to continue with that. So we'll see you next time. You have been listening in to Birth Moms Real Talk Podcast, a platform where birth moms and natural moms share their stories, their journeys. If you are a birth or natural mom and wish to share your story, please go to our website at www.birthmomsrealtalk.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Moms Real Talk. Join our private Birth Moms Real Talk Village, a private Facebook and a monthly Zoom, a welcome package with a journal and book readings. Support us through Patreon, on our website, or PayPal. We are the place of grace and healing. See you next time.